Welcome to the NXT review on WrestlingHeadlines.net slash their YouTube channel slash the podcast channel. Spin the wheel. Make a deal with a Shotzi spooky staccato serenade. An interesting way to end the show, but this is the NXT review where we'll be going through the entire show. where We're going to go through what happened, just having a wee little talk about it. Uh, you can... Go ahead in the chat. So hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicate. You can hit me up in the comments on Laws of on Wrestling Headlines itself. Eventually, one day I stop calling it Laws of Pain. And uh, yeah, just talk about this episode of NXT because it was it's an ending that seemingly got people a little bit talking. But in, in terms of like the excitement and the uh, what was the energy around the show after it finished? What I would call it is I guess people in my world where we're covering it for a site immediately the first thought is. I've got absolutely no idea what to centre this episode around. Because there wasn't really much. I'm not expecting much engagement out of this show. I'm not expecting uh, much... Because there wasn't really anything major com uh, coming out of it. It was a very much a setting up show. Building the bricks off the house so the wolf can then come and blow them down later. But obviously in that meantime, you just... It's pigs building bricks. <laughs> it's not the most exciting thing in the world. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, you don't think about that about the story. Large portions of it are actually quite boring, which I guess is part of, part of it. <laughs> it's part of the tale that they were thought they were nice. Anyway, that's a tangent to an analyse the three little pigs. Point being, it wasn't really much of an NXT to dive into. So I was genuinely struggling and I thought, oh, I might as well just talk about the shots of the ending. Purely because it was a little bit weird and I guess that's what people on social media were zoning into a little bit. Uh, just, it's a bit of a, was it bad or not? What did, what did you think about it? And me personally, thought it was just a bit odd. <laughs> I'm all for the wacky in the wrestling. You know anything about me? Toriyano is one of my favourite New Japan wrestlers. I'm all for the silly. It's, I don't need my wrestling to be silly 24-7. I enjoy the silly antics of Drake Maverick and Killian Dane. Uh, sometimes I think they're not quite placed right in the order of the card. Like uh, I would never put comedy later into a show. You're meant to be building anticipation and comedy is normally kind of taking you out of it. Perfect for earlier stages of the card. But the Shotzi thing was just a bit of a strange note, especially as I felt like the Johnny Gargano attack on Damien Priest was great to end the show. Because the main event, what led into it was Damien Priest versus Dexter Loomis with Priest defending his North American Championship. And like in terms of the match itself, like last week when I had James Boyd on of One Nation Radio... I was saying that Dexter Loomis felt like a main roster style character somewhat lost in an NXT world. And with that comes this kind of match. I've, I felt it's one of the better Dexter Loomis matches, but I'm still not a massive fan of the way that his style of match gels into NXT. Where it's him taking a lot of offence and sudden snaps into momentum. Which might work on the main roster, especially as you get... The style of match they put on, it might work relatively well. But in NXT, which is a lot closer to a super indie, it doesn't quite gel as well. Um, again, he's so strongly feels like a main roster kind of, kind of style of character in terms of its presentation, the way his matches are structured. Uh, it just doesn't quite feel the way more... Sh I was going to say showcasey, but 
I guess the style of Damien Priest, where he's showing how fantastic a wrestler he is, how incredibly skilled he is, that fits really well in NXT. Should fly really well on the main roster, but you can never know. Whilst Dexter Loomis is very character-centric, more... Taking lots of offense and then snapping into action, that could do well on the main roster. I'm not sure about NXT. Uh, I mean, Elias was another example of a style that was never going to fit NXT, but on the main roster, Elias, pardon the pun, sings. <laughs> it works perfectly to have Elias on there. Uh, but yeah, So, Priest vs. Loomis had an unsurprisingly slow start, like test of strength, with Priest now and then flying high to impress us all, as I was kind of getting into. Uh, the match playing out strongly in the champ's flavour, with Loomis now and then snapping into sudden action. And I guess Priest was in the most danger after missing a high spin kick and getting caught in Loomis's clutch. Uh, Mr. Longlegs did find it hard to find the ropes though. Then with Dexter Loomis on top when, is when Cameron Grimes struck again for the second week in a row, double stomping the man right down into the mat. Uh, on, but the ref and, Lu and uh, not Punishment Martinez, the ref and Priest were distracted didn't see it happen, and uh, unawares of what had happened, Priest followed up with the South of Heaven sit-down chokeslam and scored the win. Little note, always like wrestling folk winning with a signature that isn't the finisher. Uh, just Yeah, that's his, more of his setup to then hit the reckoning. I like it when they capitalise on win moves like that. Uh, after seeing Grimes chatting crap in the ring, the uh, Damien Priest grabbed him and spun him round with the reckoning, so we got to see his finisher. And Priest is doing an awesome little posing thing where... He goes up the ramp and he tells the cameraman to follow him up the ramp. And I, I just love the over the, this incredible amount of charisma that he is oozing as champion whilst also staying a babyface. It's, it's one of those things where you, all of these characteristics you would give a heel, but he's, he's kind of carrying it along as an incredibly confident human man. <laughs> and he just oozes charisma. And that is his character. Just uh, Yeah, he is the life of the party. And him bringing the camera and saying, I want you to see this. And he's like, I'm going to do something cool to send the audience home because I am amazing. I am cool. Watch this. And he goes to pull back his bow and arrow, assumably to light the Titan Tron on fire, when Gargano struck from behind with a steel chair to the back. And they, he and Kelly Soleil are both there posing at the top of the ramp. They've both got matches set for Halloween Havoc, and this is setting up Gargano versus Priest. And... That's when Regal walks out. We saw William Regal a little bit this week because this was a very set up -y show. Setting up quite strongly for Halloween Havoc in a couple of weeks' time. And Regal's out to make a surprise announcement. The Hall When the Halloween Havoc host is introduced, it's Black Shotsy Blackheart rising from smoke, uh, slightly weirdly tied, but it was fine enough. <laughs> she's, so she's already rising as they cut to her. Uh, but Shotsy is rising... I guess at the other end of the arena, in front of the uh, Titan Trolls, which did have the fans on it, now it's her with the smoke all around her, and behind her is a Halloween Havoc logo on uh, around fire, and she starts to kind of lift. And in full staccato, she delivers just the message. <laughs> it's just, the delivery of it is always weird. It's, it's like, we need you to sound spooky or do a spooky voice because this is Halloween Havoc. And the way they decided to do that was slight twinge and speak. Ginsticato. <laughs> I am evil. Ma ha ha ha. <laughs> See, it's quite irritating to listen to. <laughs> but so they did. So did that intro, and it's just the like at uh, at Halloween havoc. Your matches will be decided by spin the wheel, make a deal. <laughs> it's just uh, my delivery isn't far off. 
of what she actually did. You would think, oh, you just, you just, you know, you overdoing it uh, slash underdoing it at somehow at the same time, just for comedic effect on a review. No, I'm pretty much accurate <laughs> for how it was actually done. Uh, yeah, an odd way to end the show. Uh, as soon as Halloween Havoc was announced during Takeover, there were loads of people saying you better do spin the wheel, make a deal. Uh, like, it was one of the excited things. Me as a someone who didn't, a viewer didn't start watching properly fully till 2005. Uh, how Halloween Havoc works and all of that means nothing to me. Well, at least I've gone back and I've watched a fair bit of WCW. I've never watched a full calendar year, but I've watched, you know, bits and pieces. Uh, so I must have watched a Halloween Havoc. I must have come across this, but when people saying it, it meant nothing to me. <laughs> so, like, I must have watched a Halloween Havoc in my life because of the Rey Mysterio match. Uh, the Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero match. Was it like, D. Malenko? God, proof. <laughs> it's not singed into my memory. Proof I've only gone back and watched it semi, semi-aware. But anyway, a really odd delivery, I felt like. <laughs> Just an odd delivery, an odd timing, because we've had a main event match, it felt like we were being sent home, then a Johnny Gargano attack happens. Really, for me, in terms of the momentum of the show, it ends with a Johnny Gargano attack and Candice Ray staying standing at the top of the ring. But they wanted to hype Halloween Havoc and leading in, so you have one week knowing you're going to be getting Spin the Wheel rather than it being announced on the final show. So you get a bit of build to it, like what's on... Next week you can go, what's on the wheel? What quirky stuff is that? What the hell is TLS? <laughs> it's just, yeah, somebody paused it and they're just looking through and immediately, I just saw on my Twitter just all in one, at once, seemingly just saying, but what's that? <laughs> what does the S stand for? Yeah, immediately a wrestling fan jumps to tables, ladders and... Uh, the top two I've seen... A lot were stairs or Shotzi. <laughs> Comedically, I like the Shotzi idea. Tables, ladders. No, it's yeah, tables, ladders, and Shotzi. Yeah, but tables, ladders, and stairs is. Ah, oh, fuck. It's a very WWE thing to do. <laughs> so I'd go with that one. Uh, either way, it's a very weird way to end the show. And to cut to that after you've had your main event, after you've had your post-attack angle, then William Eagle just comes out and then introduces it, and then she's there. Because yeah, that means you were planning that announcement anyway, because you had the whole setup. Yeah, that's not an off-the-cuff thing. <laughs> that's the wrestling thing for me. It's just a wrestling trope, which kind of a, kind of arrived there. Where we've got this surprise attack by Johnny Gargano. Remember, the attack is meant to be a surprise to Damian Priest, the North American champion. But then William Regal comes out with this whole planned orchestrated thing. <laughs> well, Otzi, Shotzi is set to arise on. So he needs to coordinate this with Shotzi, with the smoke machine people, with the Titan Tron people, with the truck in the back, in Gorilla, or whatever it is. And. Because all of that is such an organised delivery and presentation. <laughs> that wasn't off the cuff. So either William Regal is a foresight genius and knew that Johnny Gargano was going to attack. So had this all planned. 100% he's attacking. Let's do this whole thing. Or it was a slight... It was, it was always planned for after the match, which wouldn't have fit at all if the Garganos didn't come out. <laughs> it's just a random thing. Oh, by the way, this segment which the Garganos weren't in... Now we're going to announce that their matches will be decided by this. <laughs> so it would stand out a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where it, this segment was started by an off-the-cuff thing, but then this whole planned and orchestrated thing played out. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, like, yeah, that gets a chuckle out of me. But it was weird. <laughs> I guess. Uh, most people do, seemingly are excited for the spin-the-wheel idea. 
they're just not they weren't particularly enthralled by the delivery um for me it was, i don't mind hokiness in my wrestling that's not a thing for me it's just for me it was a little bit off a little bit weird and i don't blame shotzi it was seeming that was the direction she was given but i don't why well, blame the actor when the directors told them to do they're just doing the job <laughs> we're told what to do they're doing what we're told to do but yeah it was just that sudden logic hole of wait this whole segment started with a off-the-cuff attack by Gargano. A surprise attack. Then you enter this whole organised <laughs> thing. So, yeah. uh, anyway, I'm now going to go through the card in order. After taking a drink out of my Game of Thrones mug. Is that still a thing? That is still a thing. Also, um, last time I checked, I don't know what it's like now, but I was trying to tweet at midnight before I went live uh, that I was live with this show. Twitter's down. <laughs> so that's great. No publicising for him. Hopefully this has been able to get out on Facebook because uh, there's normally a link put there as well to link back to the site. So hopefully some people have been able to get to it, but no Twitter, so none of my followers will <laughs> have any idea that this is live. Uh, most people will listen to it in post anyway, so I'm lucky, that, lucky in that way that the Laws of Pain audience has pretty much stayed in that kind of camp. So the live thing, and not being able to publicise that I'm live doesn't kill. <laughs> it doesn't kill all this. Uh, plus the podcast version. Anyway, that's a tangent. Let's get through the entire show, uh, starting with the Undisputed Era versus Birch and Lorcan. Uh, no Adam Cole with the boys. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly gets some promo time and says, whoever was behind the attack on Cole, they will find them and they will hurt them. Just taking the focus off of Ridge Holland and his injury. Sorry, Ridge Holland and his injury. And uh, yeah, it's a nice little thing. And it also confirms that somebody did hire Ridge Holland. Immediate thought, Pat McAfee. Because he's the one with the feud with Adam Cole. Otherwise, he's setting up a new angle. So in terms of looking into what's happened recently, who could it be? Well, if it's someone recent, it's likely to be Pat McAfee. And it's the type of thing he would do. But if it's someone new, is it even a member of Undisputed Era? With a sudden ruse and this is your big twist angle. Or somebody new entirely that I'm not even thinking of. Or someone from further back in Adam Cole's past. Could be any of them. But uh, at least at this point, they are confirming that Rich Holland was hired by somebody and Undisputed Era are going to be going after them. Essentially just skipping a beat. Uh, yes, the injury to Rich Holland was kind of horrible and unfortunate, uh, speedy recovery. Um, but they've adjusted well. They just skip the beat. Don't try to come up with a, a new buffer, which wouldn't have fit as well. Just jump to the next beat. I think it's quite logical. They've been so unfortunate with injuries. And also as well, Finn Balor's had two surgeries on his jaw. So <laughs> they've got this huge, uh, I guess, more more focus put on Johnny Gargano because of that, because he won't be defending at Halloween Havoc. But if he's out for much longer, what will they do? Uh, seem to be playing it on how long his recovery will work. And they seem to be quite transparent with that on the show. So a, a nice little thing there, just like this is an injury. This is the state of things. We'll be looking at what's going to happen. Can he defend his title? But for now, we'll see how he heals. I like that being presented on the show. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, now it was time for Bobby Fish and Roddy Strong to become number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Championships. For this was a number one contenders match. The the face heel dynamic for Undisputed Era continues to shift as Oni and Danny are the ones controlling the match from the start and wearing Bobby Fish down, giving Roddy that hot that initial hot tag uh, for, before the break. Send us in hot, uh, as in. They're not fully blown babyface. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying Birch and Lorcan worked heel. I'm saying that the Undisputed Era 
worked a little bit more in a face in peril role, a little bit more, then grew into the match. So it wasn't out and out all this switch roles. Like, no, but it definitely was interesting. <laughs> it's little nudges which to see sort of do a slight turn because I, I noticed it weeks ago and uh, Jay's boy brushed brush me off and now he's the smart person. <laughs> but Undisputed Era turning face, that's what I called the video, it's easy to find. <laughs> and if, it's little things, it's little subtle things to kind of push in that direction rather than a definite swerve. And that doesn't mean they're definitely going to do it because this is the type of thing, you can have this match like this and then they can pull it under the rug. Or this could easily be setting up this having them play in this role can gain them a bit more of automatic sympathy watching them fight back into a match. But they're the villains, so it's a whole swerve. Yeah, multiple ways you can go with that, and I just like them doing this match this way. A tiny little subtle thing. Uh, but it was, it gave Roddy that hot tag and then he came. Uh, but afterwards, uh, Bob, when he came back from the break, Bobby Fish missed a diving headbutt, and Danny Birch was the one running fire with the tag heat back and forth, both teams managing to split and single out opponents. The Undisputed Era was just that bit better. Right after Birch and Lorcan's peak, Strong, Strong was down by himself. Fish saved the day and Roddy flew in with that knee for the win. Undisputed Era are number one contenders. And for me, this is kind of emblematic of the issues that they have had. The amount of injuries they've had just trying to come up with something and they're kind of reverting back to... The, the safe, essentially. you got Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano challenging for titles, and you got Undisputed Era challenging for titles. Yeah, again, it is the safe, tested guys of this era, which is kind of moving on with the next one building up. Um, it's Yeah, the safe and trusted era, getting title shots. And I'm not going to go, oh my god, well, they're not forgetting anyone. Have you seen the amount of injuries? <laughs> like, I am fine with that for now. Don't need to rush anything forward, continue the gradual build. Halloween Havoc... Is it two weeks? I think it's just the one this time. So yeah, and the building guys up. This was a building block kind of show. Um, Halloween Havoc, I don't know what the whole card will be like, but it feels a bit lighter at the moment. And the tag match is not at Halloween Havoc as well. The tag match is next week on NXT. So it gives that show a, a big thing to happen, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Finn Balor got his surgery VTR next. I've just talked about that, essentially. Uh, Ember Moon is back, a video package as well. Uh, she says that when the doctor told her, you are clear, all she heard was, you are NXT. And she's like, on, a, on, on my, uh, it was just like, on my first night back, you're damn right I stared down at you. Uh, and she really put over the whole division as well. I really like that. Just be like, she was pretty much just saying, this is a stacked division with some amazing talents. Look at the names coming back. Look at the established names already here. I really enjoyed that. Just the way that they put over the entire division. Because we're going in like, yeah, this is one stacked roster. But then on the show for them to go, this is a stacked roster. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it just reinforces it. Uh, yeah. Loved everything about this promo. Got Ember over, got her intentions over, and put the division over as well. So thumbs up all round. Uh, after that, Ashanti the Adonis versus Jake Atlas. A uh, proper NXT match, this. Called it building blocks, but... Two lads, well and truly in developmental, like gaining that XP to level up. It was a fast-paced and full of charisma affair from Adonis. Uh, that man showing how high he can fly before he was like chatting smack. Uh, Jake Atlas, seemingly impressive, but didn't really get to see much. Uh, as, just as things were getting going, Wilder Mendoza appear on the ramp and cause a slight distraction. And Jake Atlas capitalises with a pin. 
and the two Legados immediately drag Adonis out, but Jake is there for the save. The two stand tall in the ring as Escobar walks out in an amazing suit. <laughs> it's so flashy, so over the top. Uh, just as those three make their way down to Adonis and Atlas who are in the ring, suddenly it's like, oh, it's three on two. In slight swerve to make it three on three with chairs. And he stares down Escobar. Looks like we have ourselves a six-man in the near future. And Escobar versus Swerve is not finished. The only issue for me is the Cruiserweight division isn't much of a division. We don't really know who's in it as well. Apart from Swerve and Escobar, who is in the division? Like, definitely. Is Jake Atlas in the division? I feel like Adonis might be kind of as well. Maybe it's more apparent if you watch 205 Live, but because they don't establish it on NXT, I don't know. I don't have time for 205 Live. My alarm's going off in, like, not really that long for the G1 Climax. <laughs> so, like, so much wrestling that like, I don't have time for that. And they've not told me on NXT. It's like on AEW Dark and AEW Dynamite. If they if something happens on Dark and they don't explain it to me on Dynamite, I don't have the, I don't have the time to watch Dark. So I won't know what's happening. I won't know the context. Uh, it's something I've complained about with Dynamite before. They seemingly got a lot better at it over the course of this year. But it's still a thing. If something happens with the Cruiserweights on 205 Live, if the division's a bit more established there and you know, you know who is in there, I don't have time to watch the show. So I don't know who's there. So you're going to have to tell me on NXT. Otherwise, the division feels loose and uh, In terms of NXT Cruiserweight canon, the two names that have only definitely been established are the champion and the challenger. It's like a two-person deep division, which felt kind of fine in the earlier days uh, with Leo Rush and Angel Garza. They were some amazing matches. <laughs> just, in terms of like NXT stuff of the year, in terms of their television, that, they're right up there for me. I know most people call like Adam Cole uh, versus Matt Riddle as like peak stuff, and other I think Ripley versus Baszler was the big one as well. I think. But for me, Leo Rush versus Angel Garza was fantastic. As long as that was 2020. That might have been 2019. <laughs> but they brought in some other Cruiserweight names as well. And it felt like there was a bit of division. You saw Tony Nese, you saw Drew Gulak. I swear there was more, but they're the only two I can remember. But there was some essence of a division. Nowadays, I've got no idea. It's just these two guys having their little feud. And it feels like the reason it keeps going is because once the, one of them moves on, there is no division. There are no challenges. Yeah. But at least Adonis is there. You can flesh that out a bit as well. He showed a lot of character in the short amount of time he was given. So maybe you can work with that. But not much of a division really there right now. Not really much more to say. Uh, th after this, we've got a Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano interview. And uh, Johnny is just like, well, what has Lewis done to earn a title shot? He calls his opponent's night Austin Theory young and immature. For we're getting a teacher versus cocky younger guy kind of match up next. Uh, Austin Theory versus Johnny Gargano. Also, heel versus heel. I wish the main roster wasn't afraid to put on matches like this. Like, they should be abound with them given their own comments of that. There are no heels or faces. It's just characters. And you watch the show and immediately you go, no, there isn't. <laughs> like, there is in NXT and AEW. This is a case of it. But it's very rare when Raw or Smackers aren't entirely made up of goody versus baddie shows. As in, like, every single match would be good guy versus bad guy. And when it's not, it's a big thing. It's like, oh, this is a unique kind of pairing for a match. And the commentators will point out how unique an occasion this is. Or how unique a pairing, a matchup pairing this is that we are being presented. On NXT, they just presented it and told us the story. 
So yeah, uh, same happened on AEW. Same happened obviously in the G1 climax in New Japan. I'm um, seeing heel versus heel. I mean that's that's my main point from this is yes they said yeah we don't do, it's characters it's not heel versus heel but then I I am seeing heel versus heel. <laughs> so when I watch uh, WWE it's like no I am seeing the heel versus heel thing but it's not on your shows. <laughs> it's NXT. It's AEW. It's New Japan. It's presumably all over the Indies. It's not on Raw Smackdown though. When it is, it's a big deal. Like if that was true, what they were saying, when Bailey turned on Sasha, Banks wouldn't have suddenly become a babyface character. Like she'd be the same smarmy heel, just really pissed off at Bailey. But she's not. Banks is on Smackdown giving pure good guy promos. Like AKA that line is really just a nonsense line from a high up that bears no actual weight on the product. It's like oh yeah, we're we're deeper than that. We're not. Good guy versus bad guy, simple hero versus ba- hero versus villain. Now we're characters, we're complex characters clashing. But all of your matches are. <laughs> I guess the closest we've come is Andrade versus Angel Garza. I feel like that's the closest we've gotten or, uh, in terms of a heel versus baby face one. I, I feel like that's definitely heel versus heel. I'm questioning which, if it was Andrade as the baby face in that one. But no. Now I praise them for doing heel versus heel there. But it's so rare that it really doesn't feel like characters versus characters. So, yeah. Anyway, here, Johnny Gargano looked to school Austin Theory, uh, grind the cockiness down whilst genuinely giving him lessons. Like, shouting at him, like, too predictable, don't be predictable. Like, give him actual in-match lessons. Uh, Johnny getting caught now and then, but staying ahead of Austin Theory pretty much with most of the match. Whilst Theory tried to prove he isn't predictable. Like, even going into Johnny's wheels house to catch him with a kick after Gargano went to roll forward and pop up. No pop up for you. Kicked right in the head. Uh, putting over Theory's strength and he scored some close falls as well. Uh, but whenever he chatted crap, Gargano was back in. About uh, reminding us on commentary that you cannot do that against Johnny Gargano. Uh, pointing out the errors of Austin Theory. Uh, Theory in the end was read by Gargano once again, going to the same well one too many times after a really strong string of offence of, no he's showing him, he's showing him, oh okay, went to the well one too many times. Uh, Johnny got back in and was relentless, knocking Theory down, charging at him with a forearm to keep him there, then ended things with the Sling DDT, which is called the One Final Beat. Uh, I struggle with that one. (laughs) Cannot remember the name of that. But yes, the One Final Beat, and that scored the win for the match. I actually really like the story of this. Uh, Austin Theory with another strong match on NXT. This time, a great story where it's the guy like, no, I'm going to teach you some lessons here. And then Theory is like, no, 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 I am this good. And I'm not predictable. And he starts to show against Gargano. But then in the end, is too predictable. And it costs him. Like, oh, in the end, Gargano was right. Even though Theory hit a string of, no, look, I can outbeat you here. In the end, he did lose. So I like that dynamic. Uh, yes. After that, Raquel Gonzalez had a promo on Ray Ripley uh, to the camera, challenging her for a match at Halloween Havoc. But unfortunately for her, Ripley was in the gym in her full wrestling gear, charging towards her, and immediately accepted the invitation. It's like, oh, you didn't check before you said it, did you? Oh. <laughs> and uh, Ripley's right there and immediately accepts as men in shirts try to hold them back. Assumably, they managed to do it. So many men in shirts. <laughs> so many. Do you need that many behind the camera? Like, really? In the COVID world? Why there's so many men in shirts just hanging about? (laughs) That that doesn't fit. Anyway, Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae. So this was another number one contenders match. 
This time for the NXT Women's Championship, Shotzi versus Candice. And uh, Shotzi in the spooky tank in the Capitol Wrestling Center. And this was a Shotzi got a bit of a smartness showcase here. Like cutting off the Poison Pixie again and again. A strong showing as she edges closer and closer to that breakout moment. Like that big win to send her up the ranks of NXT. Uh, but not obviously getting big ring of matches. Just not getting that breakout moment because she's not quite there yet. NXT got a few names like that. And personally, if you keep building them, eventually they'll feel like they deserve that breakthrough. Which And that's when you do it. Just take your time. Don't rush it. Take your time. Uh, at the last second, LeRae was able to get the knees up and block the senton after a uh, ger and then after a German off the turnbuckle and a super kick followed up, the momentum was truly back with the veteran. After shots, he ran pretty strongly, like outsmarting Candice for quite a large portion of the match. But the second half really kicked up, and with uh, Blackheart fighting back, it was to no avail though. Impressively staying in the fight, like kicking out after a backbreaker and lion salt one after the other, and she just wasn't going down. Uh, out at ringside, the referee blocked Shotzi from hitting a dive for some reason, and in that distraction, Indy Hartwell passed some brass nooks through a gap in the plexiglass as a helicopter flies over my house. Apologies if you can hear that, <laughs> Candice. My fault for living near an army base. Uh, Candice knocks Shotzi right the F out and steals the win as Wade Barrett and the rest of the commentary team decide she's definitely got something behind her back as she's clearly got an arm behind her back. So she's definitely got something behind her back. No, she's just itchy. It's just, like on Jungle Book where the bear's back. It's just that. Yeah, it's nothing nothing, nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, and you see later, it's Brass Nooks because she passes them back to Indy Hartwell through the plexiglass. Also in terms of COVID regulations, Fix the plexiglass. <laughs> it's just that's a, that's the thing you probably look at. It's been pointing out on national television. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, a really good match. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Sh Shotzi got a nice showing, but Candice LeRae eventually fought her way back in. And often I would say that Candice LeRae was put over as a smarter wrestler, but we got to see that from Shotzi, and that was a nice dynamic where Candice is often the smarter competitor, but in this case it was Shotzi. But Candice in the end still out wrestled her. And kind of got lucky after the help from somebody else. Because Shotzi just wasn't going down. So yeah. Backstage we got an earlier from later bit. Uh, building up to a tag match to come later in the show. Drake Maverick going through outfits and branding ideas. After coming up with some stuff with a marketing company. He's got some pictures for Killian Dane that aren't exactly flattering. <laughs> He's just pulling face the entire time. Oh, and by the way, they've got a match against Imperium tonight. When told that information in that exact tone, Daly's obviously a tad annoyed. <laughs> it's just going over everything. I personally really like this dynamic and the way that it builds to the match. Like the match itself for me especially. The idea of Dane using this little Birmingham man as a weapon every time. And the other guy being so desperate to be friends. <laughs> like there were some spots in the match itself that I really enjoyed. Just little subtle things to sell it. That said, it's, it's teetering on pure silly. It's very close. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm currently enjoying it, but I can sense it. It's just that little alarm bell. It's what I said last week. I feel like this week took things in a really good direction. It's, it progressed. I think last week I was saying, if we get the exact same beats again this week, then I'm a bit of a worry. But we didn't. It generally did progress, and it went in the perfectly right direction. They didn't just do the same beats. They evolved from the, what happened last week. So, yeah, uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. Because first up, we got Tony Storm properly returning to NXT. Uh, she faced Aaliyah. Uh, Robert Stone cut a promo before the match. Just like, I'm here, by the way, because, you know, 
He's lost Mercedes Martinez to Retribution, assumably, maybe. Is she still part of Retribution? <laughs> and uh, uh, he's like, I'm, I still want clients. Like, seriously. Like, <laughs> it's not gone well for him. Yeah, but uh, Tony Storm gets a new entrance, new theme song, and uh, NXT have yet another top female star to promote. Such a seriously stacked division. Commentary really putting her over as Aaliyah beats her up, but no worries, like, Tony time eventually reared its head and the smaller last stood no chance. A German suplex, a Rikishi butt charge to the corner, sorry, hip attack to the corner, and Storm Zero flipping Aaliyah over for the three. Message received, Tony Storm is back in NXT and she's going for that title. Such a stacked division. <laughs> just, the returns of Emma Moon and Tony Storm just really suddenly cemented that. <laughs> it's like, this is a great division. And we then cut to William Regal, and not happy with the end of Candice LeRae Blackheart match, but the ref's decision is final. Uh, LeRae's title match with Eero at Halloween Havoc will have a stipulation. He just doesn't know what yet, and we know why he doesn't know what, because it's on a mystery wheel. Ooh. <laughs> uh, also confirms Ray Ripley versus Vakel Gonzalez for Halloween Havoc, which is in two weeks' time. Uh, which is when Jai Lee and Bo walk in. Uh, she wants a match next week. No, she needs a match next week. And Regal says he'll take it under consideration. It's like, no, no, no. You don't I need this match next week. And Bo's like, no, no, no she needs this match. Yes. Uh, Regal is like, no, I'll take it under consideration. So, she's, it's, seemingly, it's immediately I'm thinking the JBL Shawn Michaels dynamic where she's forced into being the heel. <laughs> Forced into a situation she's not enjoying for her family. She's got to wrestle for her family. Like, you want to... That was the, that was the entire thing, wasn't it? Like, you want to secure your family, Sean? You need this money. Do the bad thing. I sense that dynamic growing. So, yeah. Yeah, but this was also the main part of it was building to Shotzi's reveal at the end of the show, which, again, the blow-off at the end of the show, a bit awkward. <laughs> but you got the thing that people were crying for at TakeOver, so in the end, it works out fine. Uh, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. So this is the last thing to talk about. I've a uh, much shorter show with not really much to elaborate on. Just building blocks, which I, it's really difficult to form an opinion on a building block. Because if you're taking, if you're having really strong opinions at this point, there's not really much to assess, and it's building to a thing. You just don't know what that thing is. So how could you possibly have an opinion? Really, you can send. You can go how you're feeling, and that's really what I've tried to do in this show. Is like this is how I'm currently feeling about it. But there isn't really much to bite onto. <laughs> so, for the final segment of this much shorter review, that's good for me. I can go to bed and get some sleep before the G1 climax. <laughs> Killian Dane and Drake Maverick versus Imperium of Eichner and Bartel. Uh, Dane immediately, as soon as they walk out, off, is like, Shh, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> Turn the music off. <laughs> I love that. There's a really strong comedic beat where it's obviously the straight man and the silly man, but they play off each other so well because Dane is so believable as the serious guy who's just pissed off with this little fella. It's like, I'm not listening to that crap. Turn it off. But it's also funny. <laughs> uh, angry Killian using Maverick as a weapon. He's the one who starts in the match as well. Uh, he tags uh, Maverick in later just by, like, hitting him. <laughs> like, even if he doesn't want to be in. Like, I love the idea where he tagged Maverick in and immediately used him as a weapon. And they followed up after that with a great little detail with them going for a double charge, but Dane completely ignores Drake and he just charges ahead. And um, like Drake's go Drake Maverick is going for the charge to make it a double charge, but Dane just goes ahead and just knocks him down. And like, I think Maverick's like, "Yeah, we did the double thing, yeah," but like they didn't. 
because <laughs> because Dane was like no, he's not he's not really taking him into regard. Uh, Eichner and Bartel ended up beating up Maverick because of course he was tagged in at this point, but failed to stop him from making the tag back to the big man. The story kind of about this match being Dane learning how he did need Drake to overcome Imperium. Um, but against a well-ironed duo with all smooth offence nice and tightly held together, Maverick found himself against too many odds with Dane on the outside. One uppercut powerbomb later, they gave it a new name, but I can't remember what it was. It wasn't as cool as European uppercut powerbomb. And that's all she wrote. Imperium win. And Dane's on the outside like her. He'll blame Maverick, but he was really a bit more at fault, possibly. Uh, not what You have to work as a team to beat a team as well oiled as Imperium. After the match, Everise come out and attack Maverick. It's like, oh, where's your friend now? Or stomping on you. <laughs> Immediately, she's just like, well, what do you mean, where is he? He's right there. <laughs> He's in the background of this shot. <laughs> He's still blatantly there. Did you not even check the TV in Gorilla before you came out? <laughs> it's, it's like, where is he? Oh, you're by yourself, aren't you? No. Surely you have peripheral vision. <laughs> no, it's not going to end well. No wonder you're not challenging for the titles at that level and you're, you get booked as the jobbers. You don't have peripheral vision. <laughs> you're in trouble. But Killian Dane grows a heart. They go to stomp the little man down at ringside when the angry man beats them up and shouts at Maverick, nobody hits you but me. Again, going irate as they charge up the ramp together at the chirpy music playing. And uh, that immediately, that's that's not a healthy relationship. <laughs> but uh, that was the evolution, the dynamic that I was asking for last week. He does not, I don't want every single week to end it like an SNL skit where you just repeat the same bit again. You punch him in the face, that's the gag. This was an evolution off that, it built off of it. Where somebody else, after the match, tried to stomp him down. He's like, no, no. But behind it all, he's growing a heart. <laughs> and that's this story. I don't want Killing Dane coming out dancing to Chirpy music like he's Drake Maverick. I love this dynamic, but he can grow a fondness for Drake and they can slowly over the course of time actually become friends, which is Drake Maverick's wish. That doesn't mean Killing Dane has to properly change to become like Drake Maverick, just the big version. No, keep him like this straight man, silly man. Like, again, in terms of comedic pairings, they don't change that dynamic. It works for a reason. Keep Killian Dane straight and serious. Keep uh, keep Drake Maverick slightly more suddenly. Don't go too far. Don't make him our truth. Don't make him like he was in twenty four seven championship against our truth. Actually, that's a much better comparison. Don't make him like that. Make it a. You can keep him like this, where he's still serious. Like he wants to build a tag team with this guy for a reason. Don't forget that. <laughs> Don't go too far into the silly dynamic. Uh, but this, I thought this was a really good week. It reined it in. It moved it on to that next step, and. Dane's words were, I'm the one that gets to hit you, which again, not healthy relationship words. But what he's actually saying is, I did not like those guys beating you up, and he's becoming, he's growing a heart, they're becoming friends. <laughs> That's happening. Yeah. But as you can tell, not much to talk about on that show. There were there was some good wrestling, there were some entertaining matches, but there isn't really much to elaborate on because a lot of it was building blocks for things we don't know where they're going, or little character bits or establishing stuff. Really, the, for me, the biggest takeaway was the spin the wheel, make a deal. Just because it got people talking because it was delivered so strangely. <laughs> just in staccato, because that's creepy. <laughs> it's not creepy. <sighs> anyway, thank you for listening to this review. Thank you for watching on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're oh, in audio form, those five-star uh, ratings or whatever really do help us out. 
Uh, tell your friends about Lords of Pain or Wrestling Headlines. Bloody hell. One day I'll remember about that. <laughs> uh, I will be live on Tuesday. I get a gap. Yes. <laughs> I get a gap of not being up late. I'll be back on this YouTube channel on Tuesday for the Monday Night Raw review. But yeah, I'll be in other forms. My collaboration column on the G1 Climax with Sam uh, went up. With, with uh, Sammy Brown. Went up yesterday. So that is up now. I think it was yesterday. It's notes today. God, days are long. <laughs> it was that, was that went up today, my column on the G1 Climax. So if you want to go and uh, read that, it's for the week that's just happened with the latest, last shows from last night. And our final column will be after the both semi-finals and the final. That will probably be posted on Monday uh, after all three events have aired. Giving you the top five matches I think we'll do of the tournament at that point. Uh, today's column was top five matches of week four. Top and the three MVPs tallying up points as well. We're keeping track of all kind of who's the ultimate winner, as in points from our MVPs, points from being on our list of top five matches every single week for who was the genuine, who's our voted top performer of the G1 Climax. There's somebody who's running right now. And if you've read my column, you know exactly who that is. I read the column. And I'm really happy on my write up for Jeff Cobb versus Tomohiro Ishii. Yes. Big boy slapping that meat. <laughs> Just. Really, uh, yeah, I generally enjoyed the writing that one. <laughs> it just flows with uh, not covering the match. We're just talking about big lads, big ladding each other. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Anyway, and also uh, earlier today, I was live on Wrestling Shorts Twitch channel, joining him to play some Fall Guys. So if you want to watch me in a more casual setting, I was on his Twitch stream to, uh, earlier today. So you can go and watch that video if you really want to. Uh, I think that's everything plugged. I'm pretty certain listen to all the other shows here on the Lots of Pain Radio and here on the Wrestling Headlines channel. All the awesome comments coming out as well. Uh, wrestling Headlines for all your latest wrestling news and what that. Follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.